When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following podcast contains explicit language. If I see a situation where our conservative principles are being distorted, I'm going to stand up for those conservative principles. If I see and hear things that I think are wrong, I'm not going to sit by and say nothing uh, because I think I have a duty as a Republican leader to defend Republican principles and our party's brand if I think they're being distorted. Claiming a person can't do their job because of their race is sort of like the textbook definition of a racist comment. This is not conservatism. You can't make this up sometimes. But I don't think there's any place in a campaign for anything that can look like it's an anti-Semitic image. Standing on his own, would Donald Trump be a good president of the United States? That's not the question we have in front of us. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast, the show about the man who says he would have prevented September 11th if he'd been president at the time. That's Donald Trump. I'm Jacob Weisberg. The countdown is on. It's 95 days to the election. That's just 95 more days for this show, inshallah, and 95 more days for Speaker of the House Paul Ryan to deplore Donald Trump's serial outrages while explaining that he still wants him to be president. This is a long walk on a frayed tightrope. Today, Ryan said he hasn't given Trump a blank check. But Paul Ryan didn't stop payment when Trump attacked Judge Curiel for adjudicating while Mexican. Paul Ryan didn't stop payment when Trump insulted the grieving parents of a Muslim war hero. Paul Ryan didn't even stop payment when Trump refused to endorse Paul Ryan for re-election. What exactly would it take for the Speaker of the House to notify the nominee that he has overdrawn his account? Trump attacking the Pope? No, wait, that actually happened. Trump attacking the Dalai Lama? Naked photos of Melania breaking immigration law with Vladimir Putin? It's not just Ryan who continues to excuse the inexcusable. With very few exceptions, all of the party's active politicians are continuing to indulge the dangerous lunatic they chose to nominate in Cleveland. My guest today is a rock-ribbed conservative who says it's time for them to pull the plug and admit that Republicans are better off with Hillary Clinton than Donald Trump as president. Needless to say, he's not running for re-election. He's a columnist for The Wall Street Journal, Brett Stevens. I'll be back with that interview right after we do the tweets. The Washington Post calls out hashtag crooked Hillary for what she really is, a pathological liar. Watch that nose grow. Wow. NATO's top commander just announced that he agrees with me that alliance members must pay their bills. This is a general I will like. I turned down a meeting with Charles and David Koch. Much better for them to meet with the puppets of politics. They will do much better. The Rust Belt was created by politicians like the Clintons who allowed our jobs to be stolen from us by other countries like Mexico. Must end. 
Crooked Hillary said that I couldn't handle the rough and tumble of a political campaign. Really, I just beat 16 people and I'm beating her. The ratings at Fox News blow away the ratings at CNN. Not even close. That's because CNN is the Clinton News Network. And people don't like that. My guest today is Brett Stevens. He's a columnist for The Wall Street Journal. Brett, welcome to the show. It's good to be on. So you wrote a column this week called The Go-Along Republicans, which was sort of set up as a memo to Paul Ryan. And you said, come off it. You can't have it both ways on Trump. You can't be distancing yourself from him every day, but at the same time, technically endorsing him. Yeah, I think it's a bad political strategy in addition to being a kind of a dubious position philosophically. I mean, it's very clear Paul Ryan is very unhappy with Donald Trump as uh, the candidate. He's not made that much of a secret of it. And I have some sympathy with the idea that he wants to save his Republican majority, never mind his speakership. But I think that's going to prove a failing strategy, not just for the November election, but maybe for the uh, sake of the Republican Party in the long term. I guess my, my main point is, if Republicans don't begin to distance themselves decisively from Donald Trump right now, they are going to be uh, tarred by his reputation, tarred by his every utterance, and uh, after November, tarred by his memory for a long time. And that is going to diminish um, and potentially even destroy the Republican brand. So as a, you know, as a conservative who's always voted for uh, Republican candidates, or nearly always, that alarms me. So I just want to quote what you wrote here. You wrote, come January, Mrs. Clinton will be president. Whether there is a GOP that can still lay a claim to moral and political respectability is another question. There are a couple premises there. I mean, first of all, you, you just think it's pretty close to definite at this point that Donald Trump can't win. Well, I'd hate to say that and then find in November my words being quoted against me. But uh, I just quoted him. You, I think you're, yeah, you've already gone but, there, Brett. But, yeah. uh, um, <laughs> look, yes, I do, barring uh, some massive unforeseen uh, circumstance. I think uh, the election was lost the moment Donald Trump became the presumptive nominee. Frankly, I thought the election was lost the moment it wound up coming down to um, Trump versus Cruz, both of whom I found unelectable. And, you know, uh, look, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to tell you I'm going to be thrilled with a Clinton presidency. Um, On policy points, I Uh, object to one point after another. But as I say in the column, uh, at least she's not a sociopath. Uh, At least she's not crazy. At least I don't literally tremble for the security of the United States and the future of the world under a Clinton presidency. I just think it'll be a kind of a bad presidency, at least from my point of view, and uh, the policy wheel will turn and uh, the sort of normality we of, of American politics will resume. But um, the real issue is, 
if Trump is, forgive the cheesy analogy, the ship the GOP chooses to go down on, there will be no survivors um, or maybe a tiny cast of uh, those of us who are never Trumpers who will have to spend a generation trying to rebuild a conservative brand that will never be associated with this kind of bigotry, nativism, and excuse uh, the term, uh, rank stupidity. Yeah. So to be clear, you'll vote for Hillary Clinton. Well, I'm not sure. Uh, I will not vote for Trump. I've, I've been mulling this. I think that if it's a not a tight vote, I'll probably vote for um, the libertarian ticket. Uh, look, I have a hard time voting for Hillary. I've objected to a lot of what she's done for a very long time. But, you know, if the, if the proverbial question is, if it came down to me, to my vote, and if the choice were Hillary versus Trump, yes, I'd vote for Hillary. Right. So it's a question of whether you have the luxury of, say, casting a kind of protest vote for a libertarian or a write-in or something. Yeah, I mean, that's. The, 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 uh, I think that as a resident of New York State, I have that luxury. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, if I'm going to be absolutely honest, if, if, if the choice were up to me, there's no question that as between those two candidates, one of them is just, I find, objectionable on policy grounds. The other is just a whole different uh, kettle of fish. So let's go inside the kind of cal- political calculation of, of a Paul Ryan who, uh, as you say, is, you know, sort of unsuccessfully walking this impossible tightrope. But what would happen if today he said, enough is enough, I can't support Donald Trump? He's the effectively the the other leader of the Republican Party. He's the Speaker yeah, of the look, House, and, yeah. and that's what I think he should do. Yeah, I think he should say, "Look, you know, I had hoped that after the convention, Donald would uh, pivot towards seriousness, pivot toward unifying the party, pivot toward an agenda we all can get behind." Clearly, that's not the case. And uh, I'm running to preserve my Republican majority and my optimistic, uh, inclusive vision of a Republican party. Mr. Trump is running, as far as I'm concerned, on his own. I'm going to devote my efforts to helping other Republicans who share my kind of pro-growth and economic opportunity agenda. And, uh, you know, as, as far as we're concerned, these two, um, these two movements are, are, are hereby divorced. I think that would give him, first of all, I think it would be a, a courageous, bold, and admirable decision. I think it would sever the tie between, between Trump and the Republicans, and it would give people the opportunity to split their ballots, which I think is a, you know, it's an honorable thing to do. Otherwise, Trump will go down, I suspect, to a historic defeat, and he'll bring the, the rest of the Republican Party down with him. But Paul Ryan can become the leader of the future, still can become the leader of the future by saying, I will not truck with uh, this candidate. And how does he answer the question I just asked you? Uh, uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. And who are you going to vote for? Well, uh, look, I, I have to leave that up to, to Paul Ryan. I mean, um, you know, he, he said he was going to vote for Trump, but a man has a right to change his mind. And maybe he should he should be thinking about that as well. Do you think there's any scenario in which, I mean, it, it's sort of, as of yesterday, it kind of looked like the Trump and his campaign were unraveling in real time. You know, we'll see what happens today and, and tomorrow. But do you think there's any scenario in which the Republican Party either comes together to replace Trump as the nominee or, you know, Trump somehow explodes, implodes, bails out, and they put someone else in, maybe Ryan himself? 
I would say the likelihood is low, but certainly not impossible after a week like this. The problem is that every time Trump opens his mouth, it's another, I think I've coined this term, it's another mouth bomb. It happens all the time. And uh, Republicans may have thought they had to tie themselves to Trump when there was some thinking he could actually win, especially in the immediate wake of the convention and his poll numbers rose. Now I think they're, they're, they understand that he is going to go down to a McGovern-style or Mondale-style defeat. So is that impossible? No. Is it impossible that Trump will realize that he's going to lose epically? And of course, Trump doesn't believe in losing, so he'll just give a speech, say the whole system's rigged, I'm pulling out, and the convention will have to meet again. Which I he's think, been doing, he's been giving that speech prophylactically. Yeah, look, I think, I don't know what, where to put the chances, maybe 5%, maybe 10%. I think they increase as we get closer to the election. But of course, as we get closer to the election, it becomes more difficult to pull off a stunt like that. I honestly don't know technically how late it can go before uh, the ballots are are literally printed and cast. The last refuge of the Trump supporting scoundrel is the Supreme Court. They say, yeah, he may he may be a vile sociopath, but it's really important that a Republican and not a Democrat appoints justices to whatever vacancies come up in the next four years. What's the answer to that? How do you answer Republicans who say that? Look, you know, again, you're interviewing a conservative. I wish we could have conservatives on the court. But you know what? The Republic will survive another Elena Kagan on the court or whoever. I mean, you Democrats survived plenty of Bill Rehnquist's and uh, Tony Scalia's. And I guess my uh, what I would say is, look, the Supreme Court is important. But if you're really a conservative, or at least a conservative in my mold, you care about NATO, you care about American security, you care about uh, an open trading regime, you care about America as a land of opportunity, you care about growth, uh, you care about all sorts of stuff in addition to the Supreme Court. And, and lastly, I have a hard time understanding how Trump, whose favorite decision is the Kelo decision, you know, the New London uh, eminent domain decision, how a guy like that can pose as a constitutional conservative. Right. He's in favor of takings because they're, they're useful if you're a developer. Of course. And, uh, and if you're a little uh, Miss Suzette Kelo in a little pink house facing some giant corporate developer, then you're not so lucky. <laughs> Um, uh, so, Look out yeah, for the bulldozers. That, that, that's just, uh, it always is something. And look, you know, again, I say this as someone who does not like Mrs. Clinton. Okay, but Mrs. Clinton is not the apotheosis of evil. Okay, Mrs. Clinton is not Saddam Hussein. I think Mrs. Clinton's administration will probably look a lot like Obama's, maybe a little more uh, centrist than uh, Obama's. More hawkish on foreign policy, certainly. Yeah, probably more hawkish on foreign policy. And look, uh, it's hard for parties to hold the White House for more than three terms. Last time that happened was FDR and then uh, Harry Truman, and those were extraordinary circumstances. And if Republicans really believe that Mrs. Clinton is the terrible person they say she is, well, then she'll have a one-term presidency, and four years later, we'll get to do it all over again with hopefully someone who isn't certifiable the way the current Republican (laughs) nominee is. I'm not sure, yes, and I'm not sure anyone else falls right in that category. But, you know, I'm back to the Supreme Court point. I'm surprised I haven't heard anyone on, on your side make this point, but given the likelihood of a Clinton victory, the justices she can appoint with the Democratic Senate 
would be more liberal than the justices she could get past the Senate, still uh, controlled by the Republicans. And what you're arguing is a strategy for preserving, trying to preserve the Senate for the Republicans. Look, uh, I, I wrote a column, uh, I don't know, two, three months ago called uh, Hillary, the Conservative Hope. And my point was what we should hope for, given the likely choices, is a Hillary presidency and a Republican Congress to serve as a kind of healthy, uh, in a healthy sense, a, a deadlocked or at least a bipartisan government. And, you know, that can produce, as we learned during the last six years of the first Clinton administration, um, some really useful policy compromises. And the country can flourish under those circumstances if you have both in the White House and in Congress, you know, deal makers who are who are prepared to, to strike constructive bargains. And I think that would actually be a perfectly okay scenario for the country. Would I get everything I'd want? Of course not. Would Dems get everything they want? No. But... You know, this is the system we have, and it's a pretty good one. Uh, strangely reasonable. Uh, Brad, I, everything you're saying makes sense to me. Thanks so much. Not for, strangely. <laughs> not strangely. Yeah. Eminently reasonable. Um, okay. I'll give you, you eminently. Uh, right. Thank you for joining me on the show today. It's great talking to you. Yeah, no problem. Take care. That's it for today's show. Trumpcast was produced by Jason DeLeon. He can't support a man who eats fried chicken with a fork and knife. Slate's executive producer, Steve Lichtai, pulled the plug over the Melania photos. They were in black and white, for God's sakes. So pretentious. Andy Bowers is our chief content officer. He offered to join Newt Gingrich and Rudy Giuliani for the Trump intervention at Mar-a-Lago this weekend. They should take him. Andy's very tough. But there's no bridge too far for John D. Domenico. He is, as always, our voice of Donald Trump. And I don't know why I only started asking this week, but please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. There's some Trump folks giving me one-star reviews. I need you to help me vote them down. I'm Jacob Weisberg. Thanks for listening to TrumpCast. I just want to say how incredibly united we are right now. We are more united than we've ever been before. And that's, well, that's what I'm all about. I'm about uniting this party and I'm doing a fantastic job. So I'm excited about this unity. You should be excited about this unity. This unity is incredible. It's really, really incredible.